Why, hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. I'm Michelle, and as always, I'm here with my very, 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 very good friend, Suzanne. How are you? I'm doing good, Michelle. How are you? I'm very, very good. I don't know why I'm saying very so many times. Just It's early in the you're morning to, here. Yeah, you're trying to fool us all. I know you're battling a little cold and you're rallying to do our podcast. I like that. I like your interpretation of that. And yes, I'm trying to rally. It was funny because yesterday I was listening to our episode from last week and I was thinking our kids were to listen to it. They would just be rolling their eyes because I actually said the words Instagram video. And I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's the correct terminology. I think they would just say like Instagram or a reel or something. I don't even think they use the word video, but maybe they do. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, they're probably not listening to our podcast. so They're probably not, but I felt very dated. And I will say this, though. I caught myself being dated. And that's weird. That doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, that's a weird feeling. <laughs> Have you experienced that? I have. Yeah, there are times when I say things and then as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, ooh, I just dated myself. Yeah, I still use LOL in my text messages too, which I read yesterday that, except okay, maybe well, in our generation. <laughs> I was just saying, since when? Yeah. Well, I went down that rabbit hole. Once I caught myself in the moment where I had right. dated myself, I had to go and see how else... I was doing it, and that was one of the ways. So it's a rabbit hole that I probably don't want to go down again for a while. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, But maybe I'll have to do a quiz on it to see how dated you are. <laughs> that, there you go. You can do that. I'd rather live in an oblivious little bubble that <laughs> thinks that I'm just fine. I would too. Hey, I wanted to ask you also, because it was just announced that King Charles invited they extended an invitation to Prince Harry and to Meghan to come mm -hmm. to the coronation that Harry has accepted, but his wife has chosen to stay home with the kids. And I want to hear what you think about that. <laughs> well, first of all, I think it's very gracious of the media to say that they were both invited and it was Meghan's choice to decline the invitation. She probably, it may have been her choice, but I don't think there was any way in hell she was going to go to that coronation, regardless of whether she was invited or she was discouraged from coming, even though she had a formal invitation or, yeah, there was no way in hell she was going to show up. And do you think that was more her choice or the palace's choice? Because they did schedule the coronation on Archie's fourth birthday, which is her son. I don't think that was deliberate, the scheduling it on his birthday necessarily, because I don't think if she really wanted to come, they could have celebrated his fourth birthday in England. They wouldn't have to do it in California. I don't think that was a deliberate move, but I think that was a good excuse for her not to attend, even though I think it was a lame excuse. But I don't know if it comes from the palace or if it comes from Meghan Markle. The way I read the article that I saw yesterday, 
it's her choice. The palace said that they were both invited, but she had declined because she was staying home with the little prince and princess. But I mean, what a wonderful way to celebrate your fourth birthday, getting to be a part of history, even though you don't realize it at four years old in that moment. But when you look back, that would be a pretty cool birthday. Right. It would. But you you wonder if they'll ever visit, even though they the kids are... A prince and princess. You wonder if they will ever know their family, their royal family. I really hope that they do. And honestly, it's probably the best on all sides that she doesn't attend. It's the best for the coronation because it won't be drawing attention away from the event. And it's probably best for her also just to keep her distance and not put that pressure on. So maybe it's a win-win that it went that way. Probably. For the situation. It's not a win-win. For the situation. Yeah, it's not a win-win with what's happened with that family because it's so sad and hopefully there can be reconciliation. You never know. Yeah. I'm talking about one of your favorite things and you're like blasé. (laughs) Well, I've moved on from Harry. I still consider him somewhat entitled and somewhat of a spoiled prince royal yeah a spoiled prince and um yeah and i don't have a lot of interest in whether he's there or not i will be glued to the tv watching the coronation will i care if harry is there no do i have any false hope that he and william will ever reconcile no so if he wants to show up whatever (laughs) You really have moved on. So before you get more upset, worked up, we'll just move on to the book of the month. Perfect. Okay, we're back. And now we are going to discuss the book that we read for the month of April. All good people. Yes, we are. Yep. So how do you want to start this, Suzanne? I never know how to start these discussions. So maybe I should just say, we'll throw it to you now, Suzanne. (laughs) Well, I don't know if that's such a good idea to throw it to me. What did you enjoy the book? How what was your feeling on the book? Well, I'm a huge crime junkie fan. And so I did enjoy the book. But it was very busy. There was a lot of little things going on to add to the storyline, which maybe Mm -hmm. at some point kind of distracted from the storyline. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. very easy to follow. And there will be spoilers in this episode. So if you have not read the book, and you intend to read the book, turn the podcast off like right now, because we're going to get into it. And there's no way you can get into it without giving away spoilers. I agree. And I, on the other hand, am not a crime junkie or a true crime junkie. I frankly have no interest in it. And I don't read a lot of mystery. I love to read, but that is not a genre that I you know, I gravitate to. I have a couple authors that I used to read a lot of, but I've kind of moved away from that. So 
easy read. Yes. Page turner. Not really. <laughs> in my opinion. And I did think that there were a lot of distractions in some of the storylines where it's like, what's this got to do with anything? And maybe it kind of all came together at the end, but not really. Okay. And that's a fair assessment. Why don't we at first take a look at the location, which it was Wakarusa. Did I say that correctly? Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with that area? No, I assumed it was a fictional because I lived in Indiana when I was a child. So I don't ever remember hearing about a Wakarusa. And at a couple points in the book, they mentioned um, the main character having to go to South Bend. So I'm assuming it, if there is a real Wakarusa, it's around South Bend. Right. I looked it up because I was curious if it was a fictional town or a real one. And I do believe it was a, a real one. I thought it was very cool to do it in a place I was unfamiliar with, but a place that the author was completely familiar with because it did have little details about the town that she's pulling from her own childhood and her own memories. Mm. So she was very comfortable in painting the picture of the town. I did like mm -hmm. that. I did like that she was giving it from like a timeline perspective. So we're looking at two different timelines, the timeline of the victim's mother and then the timeline currently, or actually back in 2019. Right. And I usually don't like that format. I think it's an overused format where you're flipping back and forth from one time era, time period to a present day time period or, you know, a more current time period. And I usually, because I, when I'm reading a book, I usually get emotionally involved with the first characters that are introduced. And then when you shift gears and you go to a different time period and you have all new characters introduced, I usually want to go back to the first characters. It takes some adjusting for me to jump back and forth. That makes sense. I, I could see that. Well, what I noticed first off about this whole book, because it is a fictional book, but it was based on a case. It's obviously the John Benet Ramsey case. That is what I thought every page I turned. I know you're not into true crime, but did you pick that up immediately also? Well, I thought it was loosely based on John Benet Ramsey. But again, even when that murder happened, I was disengaged then. I I paid attention to it to the very <laughs> the very minimum that I had to because it was all over the news when it actually happened for so long, but I got sick of hearing about it and it's like so I really I didn't know how closely how closely it mimicked the John Bonet Ramsey murder. And you put because it I, perfectly because it was only loosely based on it. There were like John Benet Ramsey feel to it, but completely different. Right. So it was about right. not a beauty queen or a pageant queen. It was about a dancer who people right. felt was put in costumes mm -hmm. right. that were too old for her age. 
Mm-hmm. And so it right. kind of got into that as possible suspects. In the John Bennett Ramsey case, a letter was left. In mm-hmm. this case, there was a message that was written on the wall. They right. thought the parents were involved. They thought the son was involved, the brother. And so right. where it's completely different, there is a feel of that throughout the book. That is right. immediately what my mind went to. Right. Okay, because here's my first issue with the whole storyline. So Margot, the current day main character who comes back to her small town, and she's a reporter, and she has a special interest in January's death because, as the author puts it, they grew up together. And right there is when the book lost me because they did not grow up together. January, the character that was killed, was six years old when she was killed. That is not growing up together. (laughs) And it bugged me from the very start that that's how they referred to the relationship between Margot and January is that they grew up together. They did not grow up together. She was six. There's no way, there's no way they could have had a childhood friendship that she clearly remembers. I mean, she may remember the, the surrounding environment and she may remember vaguely the six-year-old that lived next door, but they did not grow up together. They were six. That's true. That is true. And I didn't even pick up on that. I was just reading the story. But I I know that you read lots of books and that little things like that would jump out to you. I more took it, they did live across the street from each other. And I think I probably just glazed over that reference completely. Right. And I thought about this when I was reading the book, too, because I did think about that. So I not to toot my own horn, but I'm a reader. And I've read lots and lots of books. And what I find now when I read books is things like that stick out to me, little details that don't make sense. And that was the first, I won't point them all out, but that was the first of many little details in the book that it's like, if me as a reader can question it, like that doesn't make sense. What was another thing you found? Well, and I could be, but I don't like it when there are too many characters introduced that are possible suspects, and I'm trying to keep track of who they are. And again, when I'm jumping from past tense to current, back to past tense, I find myself flipping back pages to say, now wait, who was this? And how are they involved? And and the Luke Davies, because Luke had the nickname Dave at one point because his last name was Davies. It's like, is that really necessary in the book? Was that really a necessary detail? (laughs) All it did for me was confuse me. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, no, it did confuse me also, but I think that's one of the elements that they were holding back from the readers because they wanted to have it all unfold and play out and like 
it become a realization? Because if you remember when they were talking about how that group of kids all started hanging out together, there was another Mm -hmm. character in which they called part of her last name. And so they Mm -hmm. explained it there, but they didn't explain that also happened with Luke and possibly some of the other characters. And so I think that was being held back. But I think that was a mistake. I think it was a mistake to hold that back because when it's like, I thought that it was a cheap way out to explain why I, yeah, without giving away too much of the book, but I thought it's like, okay, reveal that from the beginning when the character's introduced and don't save that for the unveil or the unraveling of the case or the revelation of the case. I don't know. It just, it's like, well, that's a cheap way out. Uh, well, that doesn't on that, make any sense to me. Yeah, on that one, I disagree. There was like an Easter egg, I guess that's what they call them, to find throughout the book. And I think that was just her way of making it suspenseful at the end. That's how right. I took it. But I would agree with you that when it first was being revealed that that right. was who he was. Right. I was okay. a little confused. And, right. And I do have to remind anyone who's listening to me tear this book apart, which I'm not really trying to tear the book apart. And it was, it was an easy read for me. And, but as everyone who knows me knows, I'm a finicky reader and I read three chapters in. And if that book doesn't have me, I quit reading. I put the book away and I don't read the end of it. So by the time I got to the end of this book, I maybe was looking for things that were annoying me. You know, by the time I got, because I would have never finished this book. I would have shut it after three chapters and put it away and never picked it up again. And I read it because it was our our book club book. And so I might sound a little more critical than necessary because I was annoyed by the book. And it wasn't your type of genre either. You're not a true crime fan or a fictional crime fan. This is not where you would typically go. And I had thought about that several times that if Suzanne was reading this book, she probably would be putting it down about now. But I have listened to Crime Junkies. And so I kind of know the flow of it. And I could hear it almost being read in Ashley's voice because she has a very soothing voice. It's very much Mm -hmm. like the guy from... Keith Morrison from Dateline. Uh I mean, it's just one you can listen to because it'll capture you. And so as a fan of Crime Junkies, it did help me kind of see it through a different lens. Well, and you make a really good point because our last book, I told you that I, I listened to part of the book because I was trying to be efficient with my time. So when I was driving, I would listen to it. Okay, I was gonna say, I was going to listen to it on tape. And then I'm going back to what we said earlier about being dating myself, that would be a perfect example. But and in that case, I did not, it detracted from the book to listen to it. However, if I knew this author as a podcaster, and I listened to her read it, I maybe would have been more enthralled with it. Definitely. And that's a good point. I didn't even 
think about the audio version of the book until you brought it up. I'll have to look that up. Well, because if you could hear her voice in her writing, then it would make sense that maybe the book would be more interesting with her telling the story versus writing the story. It translates better knowing her voice. And see, and I don't listen to her, so I'm not, I know Keith Morrison. And if I listened to Keith Morrison, I would be, um, I would probably be more enthralled just because he has the right voice. I wish I had that voice. Just the one that was so soothing and people could just listen to for hours. I know. I know. And I think when you listen to books, the narrator's voice has to be the right voice for the book. That's definitely true. So what did you think about the relationship between Margot and her uncle Luke? I thought it was a distraction for the book. And I realized that there was a purpose for it towards the end. But I was like, I don't understand why this is even relevant. So what was your opinion? Right. Well, it was a good reason to bring her back home to a place that she hadn't really visited much since she moved away. And she had a very close relationship with him, as did he with her. And the character of Luke had health issues, early onset dementia. And so Mm -hmm. he was changing and so how she was adapting to that and always having to get back to that. So I could see where the distraction came in just because you would be in the middle of the story and then she'd have an episode there that she would have to deal with. But that did become part of the story is to him sharing things or little clues about his involvement in it also in January's death. Right. And then I thought that was too convenient. I thought it was too convenient that he was that he actually there was actually some involvement there. I just thought, well, that's convenient. That's ironic. That's yeah, I don't know. Well, sometimes in crime stories, true or fictional, sometimes the most convenient answer, the most obvious answer really is the answer. But sometimes it's not. As I said, Last week, there were lots of twists and turns where you're going down one rabbit hole and this is who it is, this is who it is, this is who it is, and then something else is introduced and you start following that. And so it did lead to a feeling there could be several suspects, three, I think, or four that could have done this. And then Uh it all comes together at the end. But I think that was just part of building the suspense and building the storyline. Right. And when I was reading the book, I was thinking you have to be, not that Ashley Powers, the author, isn't a great writer or a good writer, because I think it, I think it was an easy to read book. I think it, it can keep your interest, but I thought to write a mystery or a suspense novel, it did give me a great appreciation for how difficult it must be to create that story and um, and make all of the pieces fit without it sounding a little contrite or a little um, obvious. 
And I will say, because I've looked at a couple of the different reviews and gone to the website to kind of see what her built-in audience, because when she wrote this, she already did have a built-in audience. Her podcast Mm -hmm. is one of the top true true crime podcasts. I don't know if just in the US or everywhere. She has a large following. And even Uh some of the followers were questioning some of the things that were placed in the book. So you're not the only one and you don't have the benefit of knowing who she is, what her voice sounds like and what she stands for. So interesting. Yeah, I found that very interesting. And the part of the story that I really didn't like because I like everything wrapped up in the end, that there Mm -hmm. was like a cliffhanger or a, something that just was left so open that you had to wonder what happened and it's open-ended. Right. Right. And I, and I, I know that it's a style of writing. I know that that's an option for ending a book, but I hate that. I hate it. It's like, why, what is the purpose of that? Why leave your reader hanging? Why? Because it leaves you unsatisfied. And, and it's like, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it is. It's like you I I think I physically turn the page to think like what? What where what what happens here? And I really dislike that. Yes, I was not happy about that at all because and here again, if you're planning to read the book, turn this off now because mm-hmm. this is a spoiler, but you build a relationship with the main character throughout the book and you want to know what happens to her and it is left in a state where does she survive or does she not survive and the way I read what happened and the last words that her character said or thought I think she turned the tables and did survive but I'll never know. And I don't think there's a plan to write a second book at this time with her in it. So right. maybe there will be. I don't know. Yeah, but would I read it? No. I think that, again, I think that's a, if there were a sequel in mind, I think that's an easy way out to, to make someone want to pick up the sequel, you know, is to leave that cliffhanger. It's like, I, yeah, it, that kind of stuff annoys me enough to where I would not pick up another book by this author. I could see that. And then everything that happened as it happened finally comes out after that cliffhanger. So you have to really stay with the book till the very, very end. And don't read mm-hmm. the last page first. Or you're going to know who the killer is. I'm sure I have told this this story before, but that is how my mom reads a book. My mom has always read the first page and the last page of a book, and then she fills it, and then she goes back and she reads the book. So this book would, she would know how the book ends immediately if she read the last page first. And I will say that I read a book like that sometimes also, or I used to. I don't as much anymore, but mm-hmm. yeah. How do I get from here to here? Hmm. And then read it. It makes it more interesting or it used to. But now I kind of like to be surprised. And I will say at the end of this, was I surprised by who the killer was? Not 
Really? Maybe. I mean, that that's really hard to answer because I know it had gone through my mind a couple times during the story, but so had other right. names. So it's really hard to say exactly where my train of thought was by the end of the book. I have to agree with you on that. It's like, yeah, I agree. But as a debut novel, I mm -hmm. kept going back to it. And I didn't go back to it like you just because it was a book club book. I went mm -hmm. back because I was actually curious how it all was going to end and mm -hmm. to see Ashley's work written out. The the create. I mean, all of her podcasts right. are creative because she writes a story. It's not like us where it's just free flowing. It's there's a script right. there. Right. And so I just kind of wanted to see how that translated. And I thought she did mm -hmm. a good job. I, I did like and enjoy the book. I That leads me to a question and we probably don't have time to delve into this question. But it's my question is, does it take an established audience to accomplish what she accomplished by writing a book and having it published because anyone can go out and write a book but she had an established audience and is that why a publisher picked her book up and actually published it i would think that would have a big role in it because mm -hmm. i'm a published author and I don't have that built-in audience and I didn't know anything about uh -huh. social media or having to market things like that. And so I kind of went through it blindly where right. she probably had a lot of guidance and assistance. I mean, it was mm -hmm. her story. It was her thoughts were what ran through the story, but it, yeah, I, I, right. I would say yes. But let's, but let's, yeah, because let's compare your book, your children's book, to say a Jimmy Fallon's children's book or a Hoda Copy's children's book. Um, they have the resources behind them to back the book. So Jimmy Fallon can write a children's book, which in my opinion, isn't nearly as good as your book. And it is on every shelf in every store everywhere. And it's because it's Jimmy Fallon and he's the author, but is it published? Is it, publishable worthy you make a really good jimmy, point if he weren't jimmy fallon and is it is it purchase worthy if he weren't jimmy fallon because i've read your book and i've read jimmy fallon's books and delightful books but your book is written um it's an amazing children's book and his is a good children's book but why is his plastered all over the shelves of every department store, you know, every Target, every Barnes and Noble? You can find his book easily, and yours you would really have to search for. And yours is a better book. Thank you. You just made my day. <laughs> but I do get what you're saying. It really is about name recognition, branding of it. Right. And yeah, when you have that built in following, Right. A lot happens for you. I mean, I know they talk about it maybe in a future episode. We can too, but a Nepo baby, one that is the right. product of like Hollywood parents or so, something, is it easier for them to right. break into show business? I think that introduction, yes, but then they have to prove it time and time again. Right. I know I can't go down this rabbit hole because we don't have enough time, 
but is it shutting out other talent? Because has it become a society of um, nepotism? It's so a very a whole, good question. I know, whole nother podcast topic just for our consideration. Yes, I just wrote it down too. So we good. won't forget because... As you've said before, we get these wonderful, great ideas. We have these wonderful, great discussions, and then we forget to write them down. Right. And so they get just lost somewhere in history. Right. right. And what was it? And before we started our podcast, we just had another good idea for a podcast topic, and I've already forgotten it. I hope you wrote that one down too. Huh, I don't think I did, but hopefully once I get this downloaded, I can remember <laughs> and I'll write it down for sure. So any other thoughts on this book before we wrap it up? No, I feel bad that I can't highly recommend it. But to that point, I don't know Ashley Power. Or Ashley Power. Is it Ashley Powers? Yeah, Ashley Flowers. Flowers. As podcaster, I'm not a... Um, crime junkie. So it's no surprise that I can't recommend the book. And I think it was, as you said, an easy read. It had a flow to it. I understand why she put those elements in it that kind of bugged you. So I would recommend it if you're traveling mm -hmm. or on a beach and just want something to flow through and enjoy. I do recommend it for those reasons. So okay. we will be right back with our closing. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for sticking with this book. I understand it wasn't your favorite. I understand it went against everything that you've taught yourself about reading. <laughs> I don't even know if I said that right, but you gave it more than three chapters, even though your inclination would have been to put it down. It, I did. And I'm glad that you enjoyed the book. And I, and until the next book, at least I feel like I've broadened my horizons and I've read something that I normally would have been, never picked up. So would you prefer it if in the future I don't do like a crime-based story? Um, not necessarily. I do think that as we pick our books moving forward, we have to continue to pick a, ride, a wide variety of genre. So I think it's good. I think that's what broadens our horizons. Oh, well, that is a good positive takeaway from all of this. Yeah. And you're picking the book for next month. Yes, I am. Am I supposed to know that right now? No, no. We'll announce oh. it on the next episode. <laughs> but I was going to see if you had any I teasers have, you wanted to I share do, with us. I do have um, a book in mind. It's by a favorite author of mine, Kate Morton. And she has a new book out. Off the top of my head, I cannot remember the title of her new book. But she is a favorite author. So that is my, on my short list of books to read. So it okay. might be that one or it might be a different one. Okay. Well, the listeners will just have to tune back in. And I guess we only have one more thing to do in this episode, Suzanne. So do you have uh -huh. something for us to sip on? I do. And I really wish I had this quote for our previous episode but it will work for this episode. Um, being beautiful has little to do with your looks and everything to do with your soul. And that's by Melody Carstairs. 
That's perfect. Thank you so much. Cheers, everyone. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers.